You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. This land is your land, and this land is my land, from the California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me. Hello and welcome to episode 174 of the City of Man podcast. My name is Coyle Neal and I'm an associate professor of political science at Southwest Baptist University in Bolivar, Missouri. We are currently 484 days away from the 2024 presidential election, which means that as the American public, we're already in the midst of it. Uh, Here today to talk about one of the candidates running for office uh, is Stefan Mihailu. Uh, Did I get your name right? Yeah, that was actually perfect. I'm shocked. I mean, my my name is an eye chart, and you said it perfectly. And listener, he he did help me with this in in the pregame here, so I, I won't take full credit for that. Uh, Safan is the uh, Deputy Communications Director, and again, you're going to have to help me on this one as well, for Vivek Ramaswamy. Did I get that one right? That's right. Vivek Ramaswamy, candidate Republican for President of the United States. Uh, now, uh, uh, Stefan, you live in Buffalo, New York, uh, let me see, with your wife Ashley and four children, is that right? That's correct, yeah. Three, uh, three kids who are five and under, so... Life is a blessing and quite interesting on most days. And you're a wrangling politician, so really you have lots of kids under five, right? That's <laughs> right. We deal with them. We deal with them every single day, even though they're not my own, technically. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's uh, let's let's jump into this. First, tell us a little bit about uh, Vivek. Uh, tell us about his campaign, why he's running for president, uh, why we're having to talk about this 484 days before I actually vote for anyone. Yeah, he's a really good egg. Um, I met Vivek when I was working for another company called Big Dog Strategies, and I was just going to help uh, his launch of his presidential campaign in New Hampshire in February, and the rest is history. got hired to be his deputy communications director. What I like about him uh, is that he's a business owner. He's not a politician. He's never run for office before, and he just has a fresh perspective on running for president, and he's doing it for the right reasons. You know, I was uh, a television news anchor, and I was in the private sector before I launched a campaign for public office. I became the Erie County Controller in Buffalo, New York, and I won uh, three elections, served nine years, and, you know, I didn't run for the paycheck. I, I truly wanted to give back to my community, give back to my country, being the son of immigrants, and Vivek is really in the same boat. Um, you know, he's built billion-dollar companies, uh, developed a whole lot of treatments that actually saved lives uh, with all the different medicines that he's created. So he's not running for the paycheck. You know, Vivek is running on a platform of putting America first, about putting our country first and, and leading a national revival. And it's really refreshing because as a consultant and as someone who's dealt in the world of polling and focus groups, you know, we want to approach Vivek and say, hey, here's where the polls say you should talk about. Here's what the focus groups say you talk about. He ignores it all. And he literally has the courage of his convictions. He ignores it all goes with his gut, and uh, it's incredibly refreshing uh, to work for a guy like that who wants to be the next president. Well, before we uh, we maybe t- ask some of the issues uh, in question here, uh, that, that line, not a politician, uh, cer- certainly as a political scientist who teaches uh, 
uh, teaches institutions, that line always makes me super nervous because if, uh, you know, my pipes are frozen and some guy shows up at my house and says, hey, I, I 100% agree with you that frozen pipes are terrible. We are on the same page there. I want to fix your pipes. And I say, well, are you a plumber? And he says, no, I'm not a plumber. I've never plumbed a single toilet in my life. I don't know anything about it. I'm not going to hire him. So why should I vote for someone whose claim to want to do the job is I don't do that job? That's a really good question. And when it comes to the broken pipe analogy, you know, the, the, the federal government is also broken, but it's, it's, it's certainly a different a different dynamic than that. D- different you know, substances can... flowing everywhere, yes. Certainly. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, it all depends what kind of pipe you're talking about. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> if, you're um, ta- if you're talking about a bad kind of pipe, then yeah, it's but, flowing but in the, both directions. The, the, question, the question, though, is hopefully is a good one, right? Uh, being, being president is not a skill set any of us are naturally born with, and uh, being an administrator of a massive bureaucracy isn't something you're going to know how to do on the first day of the job. No, that's going to be true of everyone, but there are going to be people who are better equipped for it. So governors, uh, generals, senators, people who've been involved in government already uh, are are going to have some practical know-how that some guy off the street isn't going to have, as as at least two presidents in my lifetime have very clearly proven. Yeah, no, it's it's an incredibly fair question. I'll use myself as as an example, and then, you know, I'll mention Vivek's experience. So in Erie County, New York, uh, again, the controller is in an independently elected position, and there's been nine of us who have served in that capacity. You're the chief fiscal officer of a $1.5 billion budget. In the history of Erie County government, they've never elected an independently county uh, controller who's had an accounting degree. Never. Never. They wanted to hire someone who would be a watchdog, someone who would hold politicians accountable. And I myself was a journalist. I knew the county budget because I was an investigative journalist, and that was my experience. So the people of Erie County hired me without an accounting degree to manage a $1.5 billion budget. So what did I do? I hired people who were just a hell of a lot smarter than I was. You know, I kept the Democratic county, uh, the deputy county controller, who had about 30 years of government experience, who knew the ins and outs of the office way better than I could. I mean, I barely knew where the bathroom was on my first-hand office. You know, but I surrounded myself with really good people who were smarter than me and who knew the business very well. So the same thing goes for Vivek Ramaswamy, but on a much bigger level for President of the United States. You know, now more than ever, I think Democrats and Republicans, people from all over America, they don't trust the government. They feel as though there's a ruling class, uh, and a different set of rules for one set of elites and then for everyday Americans. And so I think right now is the perfect time to hire someone for President of the United States who is a business owner, who's, again, not a politician, someone with no ties to the so-called deep state, to the so-called establishment class, because that's the kind of person who can go in, clean out the rot, tear it down, and start from scratch. And so when it comes to Vivek Ramaswamy, you know, he's run multi-billion dollar companies. That's someone who I would want as president of the United States, someone who has that kind of experience building from scratch multi-billion dollar companies, someone who's hired good people. uh, And that's exactly what he's going to do as president. So I don't think it discounts him or, or any business owner for that respect or any political outsider to become president or any elected office. As long as you're smart enough to hire good people and those people who are smarter than you, and trust me, I don't know anybody who's smarter than Vivek Ramaswamy. The guy's really sharp. He's bright. And uh, and I think he's going to make a hell of a president. Yeah. Well, and again, there, there's there's a, 
the the part of me that grew up in Montana listening to talk radio is 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 cheering a lot of this, and then the part of me that's a uh, a political scientist saying, well, I don't, I don't know that I want someone who's going to go to D.C. and burn everything down. Uh, uh, we, we in general have a very competent, good government, uh, and I'm saying that as a conservative who doesn't like a lot of what government does, uh, but we still have a very competent, good government. Uh, so, what, what part, what aspects of our national government uh, d- does the campaign does 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 uh, Vivek look at and say? These are good. These are working well. I want to hold on to these. I want to make sure that we're stewarding this well and that we're we're not burning this down. I want to make sure that we are continuing to do this the way we're supposed to. Yeah, that's a very good question. So right off the bat, Vivek says, affirmative action. It was an executive order signed by Lyndon Johnson, executive order uh, 11246. Any U.S. president after Lyndon Johnson could have eliminated affirmative action within the federal government that requires you know 20% of all jobs and businesses go towards uh, minority applicants. Any president could have gotten rid of it. Vivek Ramaswamy doesn't think it's fair. You know, he believes that reverse racism is still racism. So on his first day in office, he's going to nullify that executive order. Department of Education. You know, Vivek feels very strongly from a constitutional perspective that, you know, you mentioned Montana. From an education perspective, what works best in Montana certainly may not work in New York City schools or Florida schools. So he just firmly believes in giving funding to the states and letting them decide how to best spend those education dollars. Uh, So Vivek wants to shut down the entire Department of Education and allocate those funds uh, not only to put armed security guards in every single school in America, but also then to give remaining funds to states like Montana and states across the country so they have the decision and the rights to spend money how they see fit because – Again, what works in one part of the country may not work in another, not from a top-down federal perspective. You know, the FBI. You know, Vivek says he wants to shut down the FBI because of the rot and the corruption. Uh, And he talks about the case of Donald Trump. You know, the fact that Vivek would actually benefit most if Donald Trump were not in the race for the White House. And so to basically tear down any three-letter agency that he feels uh, that is too rotten to the core um, and to basically shut them down and start from scratch. Okay, but the question is, what is he going to not shut down? Like, what what is the government doing well? What does he want to continue to see it do well? Where where are the things where our government does what it's supposed to be doing? And he says, yep, I, I want to keep doing that. That's a very good question. So let me go back to some of the things that he thinks that is not going well within our government and then, you know, talk about those things that he wants to change. You know, we, we talk right, about... So I'm the asking one. the opposite of that question. What does you're he want to keep the same? Right, what... what so, so again, it, it, it's... It, Drain the swamp, burn things down. I mean, again, again, that's the part that I get sort of as the, as the Montanan. But as a political scientist, I know that's not true for much of our government. Much of our government is doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing, right? Our, our national parks are open. You can go there and see stuff. Our, uh, you know, the uh, hydroelectric dams are cranking out electricity. Like, uh, it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Uh, so what, what are the parts of our government that, the campaign looks at and says, we want to make sure we don't break that. And then what steps are going to be taken to make sure that we don't break that? Well, there's one very specific one that Vivek talks about on the campaign trail, and that is, you know, going back to the establishment of our country and our constitution and checks and balances when it comes to recent Supreme Court rulings, whether it's affirmative action, abortion. The one thing Vivek feels very strongly about is empowering states and not the power of the federal government. So he believes what's going right in America is that balance of power that our very brilliant 
founding fathers put into place when it comes to the checks and balances of the Constitution. So that's one area where I've talked personally to Vivek, where he says, you know what, this system is working. But he's still concerned about that, too. You know, he talks about the affirmative action ruling at Harvard, where he went. Uh, Vivek was actually a biology major uh, at Harvard. And he talks about the fact that right after the Supreme Court ruling came out that, okay, they're going to do an end around and basically try and use essays or something else to put in affirmative action through the college application process. And sure enough, that's exactly what they did. So I think that's one thing he's talked very highly about is the respect uh, that we have within the system right now for the Constitution and the fact that the system of checks and balances are working very well. I mean, basically, that's saying that the court is doing its job. Uh, what what part of the executive branch of the bureaucracy that he wants to be in charge of? What do you look at and say, hey, this is, you know, give us an example of an office, uh, of a job function, of, of something that it's doing that you can say this this is something the national government does a good job at. <laughs> Unfortunately, they do a good job of collecting taxpayer dollars, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, so the IRS is what's being defended here. <laughs> right. But in one respect, they're doing it very well, and they shouldn't be from Vivek Ramaswamy's perspective. I mean, politicians are very good at collecting money from United States taxpayers. So, I mean, look, you know, every time I've talked to him, it's always about, okay, let's identify the issues and concerns within the federal government, within uh, what he can do as president and say, okay, what can I do to fix it? And right now, I, I firmly believe our system is broken on so many different levels within our government. Uh, and I think that's why he would look at all the different departments within the government and some of the things that we mentioned that he would basically go in uh, and have the authority to, as president, we talk about the border. I mean, what's, you know, I think what's more important too is what's not working. I mean, look at our southern border. I am the son of legal immigrants. You know, I shared with you, Coyle, that my family came over in 1965. They're Ukrainian. I joke, uh, I half jokingly say this about my family, that they uh, they learn the English language from the numbers like one through 75 in B-I-N-G-O in our Catholic bingo halls. Sure. Uh, but they came, you know, they came here the right way. Uh, and I still have the documentation from my uh, Baba, my Dida, my grandparents. You know, they, uh, they were farmers. Uh, they had all the proper paperwork. They'd have a sponsor. Uh, and so what's not running right now is immigration. And Vivek's parents, Vivek Ramaswamy, his parents were also legal immigrants. They came here the right way. And so that's why his border policy is to basically support legal immigration, but to use the United States military to shut down the border and even bomb cartels if he has to. And one of the... Uh uh, I, I, I want to get into into some of the partisan issues in a, in a second, uh, but since since you brought it up, one of the uh, the bipartisan issues, uh, both Republicans and Democrats seem to agree, is that our legal immigration system is overly complicated and uh, there are too many hurdles to get people here legally. So, what sorts of steps does he plan to take to to ease that system? How is he going to work with Congress, work with the Republicans and Democrats? Again, the bipartisan issue. But what what practically does he hope to do to not just focus on the illegal side of it, which I know is the nice sound uh, soundbite issue, but to actually reform the legal process? Well, the one thing he talks about all the time as a business owner is if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And right now, it's incredibly difficult to actually measure the amount specifically of people crossing the border legally, illegally. So Vivek has talked about basically putting a moratorium when it comes to immigration to say, look, we need to take a, a one-year pause and let's see exactly what we need to do to close the border, 
to make sure that the free flow of fentanyl is not coming into every corner of America, take that pause and actually come up with a strategic, specific plan to secure the border and not just the southern border, secure the northern border as well. I mean, I live in Buffalo, New York. And as a kid, it would literally take us five minutes to cross the Peace Bridge and go to Canada. It's that easy. Mm -hmm. But there's also portions of the northern border that are wide open. You cannot build a wall on the northern border. You know. From, someone from Montana, I can affirm that. Yeah. yeah. Now, there's, there's, a, there's already a fence there. It's it's a you know five-string barbed wire fence. But Right. But wouldn't you look at someone and think they're absolutely nuts if they said, hey, yeah, we're going to build a wall in Montana to secure the northern border? I, I think people who say we're going to build one on the southern border are kind of nuts. It's still a long <laughs> ways. It's it's a well, long border. But, Coyle, but that's the whole point, though. Like, you know, we heard all this talk back in 2015 of we're going to build a wall. Yeah. Well, it never happened. And if, if you built the wall, Vivek Ramaswamy says all the time, all the cartels are going to do is just dig a tunnel underneath. Or take a boat or fly over. I mean, yeah, right. the, the drugs exactly. are going to get here. Um, yeah, the drugs are going to come either way. So, fine, build a wall. That's great. But... Is it really solving the immigration problem? Right. And that's why I think what's, again, what's great about working with Vivek and for Vivek is that he wants to actually, you know, do the homework, dig into solutions, like having a moratorium for a year, and then figure out what are the, the, the tangible solutions that we can do to secure the border and to stop the free flow of fentanyl, because building a wall is not enough. And he says that all the time, that Donald Trump ran a campaign of vengeance and grievance and anger back in 2015. Of, okay, we're going to be angry about the border and we're going to build a wall. Well, the wall was never built and we're still seeing a free flow of people and fentanyl across the border. So he actually wants to like get his hands dirty, take a look at the data, take a look at the information and say, what do we need to do to secure it? Take that one year hiatus and then use the military. You know, other candidates have talked about it, but Vivek was one of the first ones out of the gate saying we need to use the military to secure our border, but not just the Southern border, but the Northern border as well. You know, the example he used the other day is like a balloon. You squeeze a water balloon, okay, you're going to get you know, tight on one end, but it's going to explode on the other. So I, I think he's actually smart. And, and being a guy that lives in a border city in Buffalo, I even appreciated him saying, okay, we're not just going to secure the southern border, but the northern border as well. So as a, as a, as a small government conservative, um, I'm, I'm always going to be a little hesitant when, when someone starts talking, I want a national government powerful enough to control a line 5,000 miles long. When you're talking both northern and southern border. So uh, talk, talk me into that. Why, why, should, why should I pay that much in taxes and increase the power and size of government that much for, for something that, that is important, but there's a lot of important things, right? Well, it's, it's not, again, it's not just people. And this is what I respect about Vivek, is that, you know, we're hearing stories all the time in the campaign trail about fentanyl and how it's basically destroying communities. And he says, okay, fine, I want to go see it for myself. So he went and visited the south side of Chicago. He visited the Kensington neighborhood in Philadelphia. And when I say he went to, you know, the deepest, darkest places of those neighborhoods, he went. And he saw people shooting up. He saw people uh, abusing fentanyl, numerous other drugs, and he saw firsthand the devastation uh, of fentanyl. You know, he hosts a podcast, and he's had on guests talking about how dangerous it is. And then he was on the campaign trail. I can't remember what specific state it was, but a mom uh, went up to Vivek and says, you know what? Your family could be next because when it comes to drugs and fentanyl, it crosses socioeconomic levels, 
It does not just target uh, the poor or the rich. It targets everybody. You know, and Vivek is a young father. He's 37. He has two young boys. And it really hit him when that mom said, your family could be next. So it's not just people crossing the border. It's not just the burden on taxpayers because there is a fiscal cost, of course, for having individuals crossing the border. And I was a county controller. I know firsthand it's very expensive uh, taking in even legal immigrants. We have to pay for housing, food, social services. So there is a direct tangible cost of even legal immigration of people crossing the border. But the one thing that really touched Vivek was the fentanyl crisis and how one of the major ways to stop it is to secure that border. And that's why he's so passionate about it. It, it really did, Coyle, it, it really hit him close to home when that mom, after that one event, came right up to him and said, your family could be next. Because unfortunately, she's right. Hmm. I mean, she's right. All right well, we've, we've already touched on some of the issues here. Um, what, are, what are some of the other core issues for the campaign? What are, what are the things that you guys have decided to focus on? Yeah, Vivek is one on the Fed and the bureaucracy, you know, when it comes to bureaucrats within the federal government, you know, he feels very firmly that if there's an eight-year term limit for the president of the United States, so too should there be eight-year term limits for career bureaucrats within the federal government. I think he's really big on uh, the Fed. I mean, reform of the Fed. The fact that the main uh, function of the Fed is to stabilize the United States dollar. You know, he's talking about using multiple avenues, even Bitcoin, to basically have some kind of a barometer against the dollar to say, this is what we're going to do to stabilize it, and this is what we're going to do when it comes to actually engaging in the true uh, meaning and the, and the function of the Fed. So Fed reform is huge. Another thing he talks about, which I think is great, and it's really resonating with voters who are uh, aligned with other political parties, people ask all the time about the debt ceiling and spending. You know, inflation was at one time just so out of control that you needed a second mortgage to get a dozen eggs and a gallon of gas. You know, but Vivek talks all the time about when it comes to the debt ceiling, Republicans always say, okay, we're going to cut. We're going to cut taxes, cut programs, and that's how we're going to uh, alleviate the debt. And the Democrats will come and say, okay, we're just going to print more money, raise taxes, and that's how we're going to unleash the economy. And Vivek says, well, you're both wrong. You know, we need to focus on GDP growth and with GDP growth, meaning unleashing oil, energy, fracking, drilling, things of that nature. So he firmly believes that we can actually get the economy rolling again through GDP growth and being positive about it. Because you can't just cut your way to prosperity. It's what he says all the time. You just cannot cut taxes and expect uh, to alleviate uh, the fiscal burdens that the country is facing, but also, too, to provide basic services for people. So there's some of his other big uh, major platforms is basically shutting down a lot of those federal agencies, the three-letter agencies, starting from scratch, rebuilding it. And one other thing, Coyle, that I thought was really interesting, this is a little bit of a political angle, and I know how hard it is to fundraise as an elected official. I remember when I first ran for office, I did not like dialing for dollars. I couldn't stand it. I thought, Coyle, I thought it was the worst part of politics about having to basically call total strangers and, and beg them for money. But that's the way the system's set up. And I'll never forget it. There was a lawyer friend of mine, and I was kind of complaining about it. And I says, man, I, I don't like raising money. I don't like dialing for dollars. He goes, oh, you don't have to. No problem at all. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, there's two types of candidates in America, those who raise money and those who lose. He goes, which one do you want to be? I said, well, I don't like losing. He's like, all right, we'll get raising money. 
And so, uh, you know, as I shared with you before, Vivek is independently wealthy. He's lived the arc of the American dream. He's already put 15 million bucks into his campaign. He's got skin in the game. But at the very early stages, he met with a lot of these so-called bundlers, you know, all these finance guys, a lot of these inside baseball yep. political leads who basically said, OK, we'll bundle money for you. We'll keep 10 and 20 percent. Uh, and then in turn, like you with every politician, of course, they'll want favors down the road. And Vivek wanted no part of that. No part of that system whatsoever. So he came up with the idea of like, well, wait a minute. Uh, through a lot of his uh, biology and a lot of his uh, other companies, he would always say when he's developing medicines, you know, it was really unfair that the scientists at the lower rung of the spectrum, so to speak, they're the ones that develop these treatments, they're the ones that develop these drugs, but yet they don't have skin in the game and they're not given a big piece of the pie. So that triggered the idea of, well, wait a minute, I'm going to have average everyday voters get a piece of the pie. And if they want to raise campaign cash and have some skin in the game and be part of the movement, I'm going to give them 10% of the deal. So that's how he came up with his little kitchen cabinet idea where anyone in America, if you raise a thousand bucks for Vivek, you get a hundred bucks and you get 10% of anything that you raise. And that's a big initiative that the campaign just, uh, just released. Yeah. I saw that hit the news, uh, two days ago now. Um, which I, I, uh, I want to hear a little more about that, and, and I have kind of two angles I'd, I'd like you to talk about that. Uh, first, um, when, I, when, I, when I saw that, my, my first thought was immediately, this sounds an awful lot like a pyramid scheme. And maybe that's just because I've been watching, you know, documentaries about that with the, the wife lately. Um, but uh, do you watch a Bernie Madoff documentary? No, the uh, uh, Lulu Row uh, documentary, um, the the oh. leggings thing. Um, so talk me down off the pyramid here. No, I, that's a that's a good and it's a fair question. Look. Vivek Ramaswamy has already put $15 million into the campaign. He said he will spend $100 million of his own money to run for president of the United States, so he's not beholden to the donor class and these political elites. He literally has skin in the game Well, he gets $10 million back, so, you know. There you yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> That's right. He gets, he gets, that's actually good. I never thought of that. Hey, look, I thought about signing up. I got three young kids, five and under. Like, diapers are expensive. I'm going to sign up myself. Um and listener, yes. I'm I'm not getting a cut for this. I don't know what ten percent of free is, but you know it's it's <laughs> yeah. The buy none get one free discount on this podcast. There you go. Um, yeah. So he just figured, look, he's he's he could put potentially put a hundred million dollars of his own money into the campaign. The kitchen cabinet initiative is not about money. It really isn't, and it's not about uh, gathering forty thousand unique donors to make the debate stage. Um, a lot of people should know that the Republican National Committee put in very stringent. Uh, rules that say you got to get 40,000 unique donors to be in the first debate, and it goes up to more than 60,000 for the multiple ones. Vivek has already gotten the requirements, more than 60,000 unique donors in 20 states, to be on all three Republican debates. It's not about the money, clearly. It's not about being on the debate stage. Vegas is very big about taking power away from this so-called donor class, these so-called political elites, You know, basically thumbing his nose at these folks, saying, well, wait a minute, why are you going to bundle money for me, you know, someone who could put $100 million of my own money into it. I don't want to be beholden to you. I don't want to owe you any favors. And so it's also a good way for people to earn an extra buck. Yeah, and so that's really the impetus of it. It's really just to more, more or less take away a lot of like political power from this establishment class and give it to people. And, and God bless America. That's capitalism at its best. You know, Vague says all the time, the best way to lift people out of poverty is capitalism, the free market. So he's he's putting one where his money where his mouth is literally and figuratively. So yeah, that uh, so so like I said, the the one question there is is 
it, this sounds like a pyramid scheme. Why is it or why is it not one of these? Uh, I don't know that you answered that question, so I should I should point well, that I, out. I, I mean, look, people <laughs> like Lululemon, you know, if people want to raise money, they can. If they don't, then they don't have to visit the website and sign up to be a part of Vague's Kitchen Cabinet. I think it's capitalism at its best. Right. That if some young, hungry person says, you know what, I want to make a buck, I like Vivek, I'm emotionally or personally invested in this campaign and they want to earn some dough, people can sign up or they don't have to at all. I mean, either way, he's going to have the resources to run for president. And it's just the heads are exploding. I, I, I took so many phone calls from like fellow political consultants that were like, wow, like, I can't believe this guy's doing this. Like, there's a great idea. More along the lines of, I wish we would have thought of that. But <laughs> sure. again, people can sign up if they want. If they don't, that's capitalism. God bless America. That's what I say. Well, and I, th I think this, at least as far as I can tell, and I've not done a deep dive into this, there's not a, there's not the component of a pyramid scheme where you get paid more for signing up other people than you do for actually doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Now, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I haven't looked at it. But that well, would be... Think of it. Think of it as any person who works in sales, whether your right. product now is a politician running for president, a vehicle, or, or anything for that respect. You know, you work for someone, and people who are on commission get a certain percentage or a cup. But this is this is a little different, though, because Vivek is running for president. He's a candidate. It's a lot more than just a cog or, or selling a piece of a machinery. People are personally invested in him being president of the United States, his supporters. So it's a good way to build like a grassroots movement. So that's that's one like part that you can't – it's not tangible. Right. You, know, you can't measure that, someone's emotional attachment to a candidate. And there's a lot of grassroots supporters who want to support Vivek, and I can't think of a better way to do it to help fund the campaign and if they so choose to earn a couple extra bucks. Uh, and, and then the, the second kind of angle I wanted to, uh, to, to come at this – I, I don't know much about campaign finance reform laws, although I, I do read when politicians get caught breaking them. Uh, where, uh, where does this fit in with uh, campaign finance regulations? Yeah, uh, Vivek uh, went to law school at Yale. No one knows the law or the Constitution or especially campaign finance law better than Vivek. And the reason why it is above board, perfectly legal, is that the FEC, you know, there was someone who, uh, a former FEC commissioner who actually commented on this. And the point that this person made was, well, if you pay a private sector company or a bundler or someone else for a service of raising money and giving them a 10% cut, it's perfectly fine to have any citizen do the same. Now, there's another candidate for president who is desperate to get on the, the campaign stage, and he is actually soliciting a dollar donations and then giving away a $20 gift card in order to drum up the 40,000 unique donors. I don't know, and I think many people need to look into that, whether or not that is uh, above board and whether or not that is legal. But I can say for Vivek, you know, the example that we were given was it's no different than hiring someone from the private sector letting them raise money and get 10% because that establishment class exists. I mean, there's professional firms that do that. You know, I know I, you know, when I was the Erie County controller at the end of my career, I unsuccessfully ran for Congress. And if I had a dollar for every person that said, Hey, let me join your team. I'll bundle and I get 10%. 
you know, if I had a buck for every person that came up to me about that, I'd probably, you know, I'd be a millionaire and wouldn't, I could sell fun in that respect. Uh, again, I, I think it's it's interesting stuff, and and our our campaign finance our campaign finance laws are so Byzantine that you really do kind of need that team of lawyers to, to navigate them. So if you're if he's looking for an issue to change that no one in the country will care about other than politicians, there's one right there. Um, but it's an important one. I mean, oh yeah, again, I certainly. Speak, I mean, even running in New York State, like we were just Boy Scouts. I mean, we really were when it comes to campaign finance in New York State. And again, now I'm speaking as. Stefan Mahailu, former Erie County Controller. Uh, in New York State, it was like the Wild West. I mean, there were uh, politicians on the other side of the aisle, no exaggeration, spend thousands upon thousands of dollars when it comes to certain entertainment establishments in New York City. You know, politicians using campaign cash for tanning, for clothing. So at least in the People's Republic of New York, it is the Wild West. And uh, I just feel very firmly as a former you know, uh, office holder and, you know, someone who ran for Congress, there definitely needs to be a lot tighter campaign finance laws, especially how politicians spend that money. I mean, look, look how many people get jammed up in Congress. I mean, how dumb can you be <laughs> when it comes to spending your campaign cash, hotels, restaurants? You know, when I was an elected official for, for nine years, I felt Catholic guilt just getting a cup of coffee, asking for a receipt. You know, I don't look good in orange. Well, and keep in mind that those are just the people who won, right? How many people campaigned and lost and never even bothered to learn what the laws were because they lost. They didn't have to. So. Well, but look at the scheme in New York City. And again, yeah. I cannot stress enough that I'm speaking of stuff. I'm a highly former sure, elected sure, official sure. in New York. You know, New York City has matching funds, and they're actually putting that in in New York State. And how for an elected office, it's amazing how 30 people will run for one office. They don't care in any way shape or form about winning it's about getting those matching funds and it's public tax dollars it's ripe for abuse and and that system of governance is actually now going to be statewide in new york and you see all the time all of these different candidates in new york city getting jammed up uh, i think adams the the mayor of new york six people just got indicted by the new york state attorney general over campaign finance regulations basically finding these so-called straw donors you know, because they match, I think it's five or six to one, and they make up six different names and to get the matching funds. And yeah, I I, I I saw firsthand how just screwed up that entire process is. And and you you don't there it's not even always malicious, right? Again, the 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 laws are so complicated and obscure. You you've got that mix of politicians who know the law, they don't care, and they're going to do what they want to do, and the politicians who don't know the law and break it anyway because they just don't know. Because they're they're super complicated laws, and and again, it, it and you can never really sort out which ones are which. So, yeah. well, and also too, and that's where like again, speaking for myself, sure, you know, I I come from a humble blue collar family. You know, my dad was a typewriter repairman, my mom was a factory worker. If I had to go and ask my family for campaign cash, they probably would have point, pointed the beer cans in the corner of the garage and said, "Here you go, that's all you're getting from us." <laughs> You know, and so none of us in our family were independently wealthy in any way, shape, or form. Like I could not rely on my family or wealth because I didn't have it. I didn't grow up with it, and it really was a challenge for me uh, to raise resources to be able to run for office. And eventually, uh, when I ran for Congress, I ran against a billionaire. Um, again, I didn't have two nickels to rub against one another, and so I I got destroyed. You know, even though I was the highest elected Republican in my county, I could not compete in any way, shape, or form of raising money against a billionaire. Because even if I spent, and what I wanted, I think I wound up raising like $250,000. And I believe uh, my opponent is a very dear friend of mine, 
actually just uh, didn't run again. I think he raised about like $2.5 million. So I got outspent 10 to 1 yeah. uh, in yeah. that race for Congress. And hey, shockingly, I got killed. <laughs> I didn't win. Sure. Well, uh, back back on the uh, the 2024 presidential election, I would much right. rather talk state politics for whatever that's worth at, at this point. That'll change as we get closer to, to 2024. Sure. But for now, uh, I'm, I'm more in the state mindset. Uh, so uh, I, I think a name that I don't know that we've said so far in the podcast, but we should probably mention uh, as we're, we're nearing the end here. Uh, where does, a, uh, does Vivek differ from Donald Trump other than in personal morality? And go in there, Coyle. Go in there. Yeah. You're going there. Um, I'm glad you did because not many people do. I mean, I've heard other candidates say that, you know, mentioning the name Donald Trump, everyone's so afraid of it. It's like Voldemort. Like no <laughs> one wants to say the name. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy says that basically he wants to take that America first agenda to another level to advance it, not just having a campaign of grievance and anger. And it's a good point that in 2015, when Donald Trump went down that escalator for the first time and announced his run for president, there was a campaign of vengeance and anger. Let's build the wall. Let's keep illegals out of our country. Let's build the wall. And it was a good planting of seeds of success when it comes to harnessing you know, the, the anger and the vengeance and the grievance of the American people. But at the end of the day, the wall didn't get built. And there is still a flow of fentanyl. There's still a flow of illegal immigrants. So Vivek wants to actually run a campaign of results, not vengeance and anger. You know, you want to talk about you know the inflation in the economy. That problem was not solved uh, over the Trump administration. So Vivek basically appreciates, uh, you know, I guess Donald Trump planting the seeds uh, of that America First agenda. But he always says he wants to take it to the next level. He wants to move farther than vengeance, anger, and grievance, and actually getting the job done. And I think that's why he's catching on like wildfire. I mean, when we started the campaign, and we were at 0%. I mean, 0%. There's basically us on the campaign bus that knew we were running for president, and that was it. You know, and in the span of going from the end of February to now, Vicky's in third place in double digits, and he's at the top of the polls with Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. And I think the reason why because especially people in the Republican primary, they appreciate the passion of a Donald Trump of saying all these different things that are wrong. But Vivek wants to take that and say, OK, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to actually get the job done. Uh, and I think that's why he's really resonating with the American people. All right. Well, anything else that you think our listeners should know? I'm the son of immigrants, and this is not a political discussion in any way, shape or form. Uh, I cherish the right to vote. Like I, I just heard the horror stories coil, coil of my immigrant grandparents, my dad and my uncle and my family and the hell they went through mm. to get to America. You know, they fled their Ukrainian farm during the height of the war, were captured and then eventually came to America in 1965 with nothing. I mean, they had 4,500 bucks in cash mm. and they could afford uh, a home on the east side of Buffalo for my grandparents and my family. And, you know, my grandparents survived the whole of the more the wheat famine. In Ukraine, where Stalin starved millions yeah. of Ukrainians, yeah. and they just—it really struck with me the hell they went through to come to America. And so I think, regardless of who your candidate is supporting, obviously I'm a little biased. Sure. I work for Vivek Ramaswamy, but I think it's important that the system's broken. People are frustrated. People are angry. But the only way to do something about it is not only vote, but get involved. Get involved, like join your local committee, Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter. Like do something to change. 
you know, you want to talk about faith, and obviously that's been a big part of your podcast too. As a Catholic, I love St. Francis. St. Francis is my favorite saint. My church was run by the Franciscans. I just I love their vow of poverty. Those guys really lived their true vows. I love the Franciscan church, but uh, I didn't get his affinity for animals, but I love St. Francis. <laughs> and he, uh, his words of wisdom from a faith-based perspective, you know, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. And that can really transcend our personal lives, our professional lives, but it really does in the political arena too. Like everybody complains about politics. Everyone complains about how bad the system is. Well, okay, do your best to participate. Do your best to join a committee. Do your best to run for office, to run for school board, or the most very basic tenet of our democracy is voting. At least register to vote, regardless of your party, regardless of who you support. You know, I would really encourage folks, you know, because against my family, had they stayed under the iron fist of communism, had they stayed uh, in Ukraine during the war, they never would have had the right to vote. They never would have had the freedoms that we experience. So if, if anything, you know, just get involved, whether it's, it's, again, your local committees, serve your community, but most important, vote. It's, it's amazing how many local positions there are for people who want to do something like even even in my in my community there are open spots on the road commission uh we have township governments that don't have anyone involved in them Uh, i mean there's there's always something you can do if you want to uh serve in the government so but also too but at the state you know you mentioned state government like state government local government i mean literally and figuratively that's where the rubber meets the road that's where your garbage is getting picked up. That's where your roads are getting fixed. That's where you take your family to a county or a state park. You, know, you take your family to a county or a state beach. I mean, you, you, literally everyone's lives are impacted by local government. And we have that recruitment problem, again, here in Erie County, of just trying to people find people to run for office. And it's like, folks, you don't understand. Like, you know, people talk about how government is bad or politicians are bad. But at the end of the day, if your heart's in the right place, if you're doing it for the right reasons – then you truly could serve your community and do good and not just be an armchair quarterback, you know, not just, you know, be that complainer. You know, what was the Teddy Roosevelt, you know, the man in the arena? You know, don't be that guy that just complains about your community. Do something. At the very least, if you don't have the time for that, register to vote. That's pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the uh – that, that's a good place to stop. We should we should end there. I'm not I'm not going to top that. Uh, well, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. I, I know that you guys are busy, uh, and uh, I appreciate the uh, the input. I didn't know anything about Vivek, so I'm I'm glad that I've learned a little bit, and would encourage listeners to go out and learn more as well. Uh, where uh, where should I send them? I don't have a personalized link that will generate money, so uh, where should I send them if they want to learn more? Vivek2024.com, V-I-V-E-K, 2024.com. Uh, and then if you wanted to be part of that kitchen cabinet, 10%, there's like an icon in the upper left-hand corner of the website, and then it's under kitchen cabinet. And I'll, I'll throw up a link in our show notes also. Perfect. Well, thank you again for taking time to come on the show. I appreciate this. Yeah, I love the discussion. Really, uh, really appreciate it, and I'm happy to talk more local and state politics the next time around. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you listeners for tuning into the City of Man podcast. The City of Man is part of the Christian Humanist Radio Network. Our press liaison is Kristen Philippic. Please check out the other podcasts in our family and get more information about this show or our show notes by visiting christianhumanist.org. Please also leave us a review on iTunes to help other people find our show. Like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Podcast, or get in touch with us at cityofmanpodcast at gmail.com. This is Coyle Neal reminding you to render unto Caesar those things that are Caesar's and render unto God those things that are God's. This land is your land and this land is my land From the California to the New York Island From the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters This land was made for you and me As I went a-walking